actually, you know, I, I grew up, um, having dyslexia, not knowing exactly what my problem was. I was a very frustrated little girl. Um, I had teachers who could, that instead of helping me, frustrated me. Uh, and I, I went through school with this frustration and, and it was so hard because my siblings, uh, were all very, very intelligent. They would whiz through their homework and they were out playing, um, soon after getting home. But hours would go by and I was still sitting at the table with my homework, crying and trying to make sense of everything that I was given. And sometimes my uh, my sister, who was a year older than me, would see me still at the table and she would feel sorry for me. So she would come in and try to help me through um, some of my homework. And uh, I had teachers who couldn't understand what my problem was. So uh, they just became stricter and stricter. Um, um, I Left-handed uh, because my mom was left-handed and that runs in the family. So um, she would punish me for forgetting to switch my pencil over to my, to my right hand. So that just uh, added to my, um, I would say, inability to, to overcome this. And so I made it through high school by just a miracle of God because, uh, because of my sisters and my siblings who would always see my frustration and step in. When I would break down and cry, they would all huddle around me and say, okay, let's figure this out and kind of help me through my, my homework. Um, I had a problem retaining. Welcome to this episode of uh, Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. So glad you're here with us. I have a guest in the house today. Her name is Bernice. She has an amazing story of actually being diagnosed for dyslexia when she was on someone else's TV program years ago. So I'm going to let her share her story with you. And I know her story will encourage you if you're a parent or if you're a dyslexic adult. So uh, Bernice, come on to the stage. Welcome. Hi, Marianne. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but okay, I can see good. you too. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Hi, Bernice. Hi. That's, that's what got my attention when we first spoke was that someone actually diagnosed you on their TV station. Yes. Would you share that with our audience? Sure, Marianne. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Actually, you know, I, I grew up... Uh, having dyslexia, not knowing exactly what my problem was. I was a very frustrated little girl. Um, I had teachers who could, that instead of helping me, frustrated me. Uh, and I, I went through school with this frustration and, and it was so hard because my siblings uh, were all very, very intelligent. They would whiz through their homework and they were out playing um, soon after getting home but hours would go by and I was still sitting at the table with my homework, crying and trying to make sense of everything that I was given. And sometimes my, uh, my sister who was a year older than me would see me still at the table and she would feel sorry for me. So she would come in and try to help me through um, some of my homework. And uh, I had teachers who couldn't understand what my problem was so uh, they just became stricter and stricter. Um, um, I, 
left-handed because my mom was left-handed and that runs in the family. So um, she would punish me for forgetting to switch my pencil over to my, to my right hand. So that just uh, added to my, um, I would say inability to, to overcome this. And so I made it through high school by just a miracle of God, because, uh, because of my sisters and my siblings who would always see my frustration and step in when I would break down and cry, they would all huddle around me and say, okay, let's figure this out and kind of help me through my, my homework. Um, I had a problem retaining uh, what I was reading. I don't know if anyone can identify with this, but I hope hope that this helps someone because I had no help. I made it through high school. I actually finished high school and stumbled onto radio. Uh, I was working in an office of a a Christian radio ministry, and I was doing uh, the reception work. And one of the funny thing was, when I would take messages for people, I would always transpose either the first two or the last two numbers of the uh, of the phone number when I took that message. And everyone around the office quickly found out that if uh, when they would call the, the messages back, if they would transpose the numbers back and forth, they could get to the person who had called them. <laughs> and um, and they made it a joke around the office. Oh, if it doesn't work, just switch the numbers around. And I would laugh. Uh, and but there became a moment where I became uh, worried and I would double check my work and it would take forever just to get through the day with messages and everything else that were part of my duties. Hmm. One day, one of my co-workers had an interview, a public affairs show, and uh, there was a doctor in that she was interviewing and uh, he was explaining what they had, what they had. Uh, new stuff that they had discovered in dyslexic patients. And my coworker pops her head out of the recording studio. And she says, Bernice, would you mind joining me in this interview? It won't take long uh, and it'll be really quick and you don't have to stay for the entire thing. So I popped myself into the studio and I sat and the, and the doctor began to, to say, when we have a patient, we start off with giving them if they're children, we give them several pages and we ask them, uh, what do you see in this page? And he began to say, you know, what the process was to examine the children and a quick examination to find out if they were dyslexic. So I'm sitting there in this recording studio live on the air. And he uh, he pulls out these papers that they give the children. And he puts them in front of me and he says, and we would do this and we would just set the papers in front of the children and we would ask them, what do you see in this paper? And if and if the children responds, I see an elephant or I can't remember what the what the animal was. Probably a uh, cow. There's one with a cow. Yes. It's really hard to see. Yes. And there's one exactly. of a woman looking yes. in a mirror. Exactly. And it could look like a skeleton or it could look right. like a woman. Yeah. Exactly. And so he set those papers in front of me. And I and I wasn't supposed to answer at that moment, but I say, oh, well, I see an elephant and I see a woman, but there's also a skeleton in the picture. And and then he looks at the person who's interviewing her and he says, well, we have our first patient. And and he says, did you know you were dyslexic? And I almost cried on the air because I finally was able to realize that I wasn't crazy. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get emotional because. Yes. 
as a child, it's very traumatic when everyone in your family is normal, but you're the odd one and you think no one could figure you out. And it was so hard for me growing up. Well, and you know, it's very interesting to hear those words, normal, you're the oddball, because your brain just works differently, but you're still normal. And other dyslexic people are normal. Mm -hmm. And we can retrain the brain to read. But before we had the printing press in the early revolutionary in the early revolutionary days, 20% of our population wasn't reading. And their genius was just welcomed and exposed. And they learned from um, watching others. And you know, to say that that genius person, because they can't read, it's not normal. That's just, right. it's terrible what we're doing, isn't it? It is. It's horrible. I, I couldn't get through numbers and the teachers would make me feel, uh, they would even ask me like, what is wrong with you? Don't you know what the next number is? Um, and that would send me home like in tears. But you but, had it with reading and numbers, right? Yes. So people yes. who are very familiar with dyslexia, have learned probably about dysgraphia, where is, you know, or dyscalculia. Dyscalculia is um, not knowing, your, you know, not recognizing your numbers and transposing your numbers. There's yes. dysgraphia where kids really, really struggle with not only writing, but they struggle with the thinking, the processes of what to, what to write about. So dyslexia can be very complicated, can't it? <laughs> it can. And, you know, back then, back then, you know, in the 90s, 97, 98, which was when I was entering the workforce, it was barely starting to be talked about. It was starting to to be made aware. Um, and that's when I realized, oh, my God, this is me, you know, and but growing up, it was like a phenomenon. It's like, what's wrong with this kid? You know, we can't get him to read. We can't get him to do math. But, you know, one of my sisters, um, she was an avid reader. She loved to read and she would uh, buy uh, Harlequin romance books and she would write and she would read whatever she could get her hands on. But knowing that I couldn't read, I would sit next to her and I would tell her like, what's going on now? Like what's happening in the story now? Uh, okay. What happened next? And she would uh-huh. always say, well, she would say, well, you read here, you read next. And I knew that I would not be able to put it together. Yeah. But um, she she was so intelligent. She figured out that I couldn't do it. So she would begin to help me sound it out and think of what, you know, she would help me through and it helped me to uh, take interest in reading. And I overcame it on my own. Isn't that something? Mm hmm. And you don't hear that very often. A lot of people would be asking, what did you do to overcome your dyslexia? And how did you overcome it on your own? Well, um, I, my sister loved to go to the, to the public library and my father would take her at least once a week to get new books. And I would tag along. Uh, Everyone in the family knew that I was having difficulty uh, retaining what I was reading. I couldn't make sense of it. Um, But my sister began to help me at the library. And she would help me pick out books that had pictures. And then she would help me uh, put the words to the picture. And then she would ask me, "Did you? Did, are you understanding what just happened in the story? And she would tell me, repeat to me what happened in the story. So then I would repeat to her, well, the little girl lost her ball and, and so on and so forth. And the pictures would help me to understand. And I began to develop an understanding. You know, Marianne, today, I still took, Till to this day, cannot understand how I made it through high school 
with all the way to high school without being evaluated. It was, I was just, I fell through the cracks and I, I, I still can't understand how I made it that far without an evaluation. But those years of high school, I even had a teacher who would call me his wonder student because he was wondering how I made it that far. <laughs> so in that regard, you are the exception because yeah. typically kids who aren't reading by fourth grade will drop out of high school and end up going to prison. And wow. you are, you know, God's hand is on you, protecting yeah. you and using you right now. And, yeah. um, you know, when we can teach kids to read, it opens up that world of opportunity for them yes. to have adventure. Like your sister was reading those romances to you and, and you could go, people can read about other countries and yes. other experiences. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad, you know, um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci uh, used to write backwards and he, and I have a, another friend who used to do the same thing, but put her writing up to the mirror to see what she wrote for her task because she didn't couldn't study her own notes. And Leonardo da Vinci's um, words were his favorite pastime was when somebody could read to him. Wow. And they were always wondering, was he dyslexic? What, you know, because dyslexia was around in the 1930s and forties. And that's when Sam Orton and Anna Gillingham were thinking of these multi-sensory methods. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a method to teach kids, but so many teachers are untrained. Yes, these teachers who have these negative reactions to the kids who they call them lazy or not trying. They need to understand what dyslexia is and schools need to make that effort to train their teachers, give them support. I'm always posting my videos with extra support for parents and teachers. So you have some really encouraging words for for the parents. Um, And, you know, I I married my husband who had four children that I raised. And one of my little girls, uh, I started noticing that she had the same problem that she had a a hard time with math and retaining it uh, when she was reading. And I was called into the office and I was told if she doesn't improve this year, she's going to be left behind. Now, she was a twin. I had twin girls. Okay. they had always been together. So just for her, the thought of going on to school without her sister was, it was just horrible. She would cry. And I told her, sweetie, mommy had the same problem when she was growing up and mommy overcame it. And you can too. And the same thing that my sister did for me to go to the library and pick out words. And I would sit her in the dining room table as I was cooking. And I would tell her, tell me what's going on. And she would sound out the words and she would look at the pictures and Marianne, I can't explain to you how rewarding it is when you're able to help someone um, through something like this. Well, at the end of the school year, I was, I was first called in and told that she was not going to finish school that year. They were going to retain her because of her reading incapacity and her math problem. But, uh, I, I, I said, no, this is not going to happen. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to help her through this. And I began to tell her how frustrated I was as a child. And she identified with, with that challenge. And every week I would take her to the public library and I would help her get books. And I would sit her in the dining room as I was cooking. At the end of the school year, I was called in. And they, they asked me, how did you do it? We are so amazed at her improvement. She's going to be able to go on to the next level. And and then I shared my story with the teachers and the administrators and the counselors. And I told That's them I was really very, commendable. 
Yeah, and she made it through. She went all the way through high school. Well, no- you're that you're that mama bear who advocated, and and you had that heart to learn. And what what helped you? You used to help your daughter. I yeah. when I would do some speaking last year, I did a lot of speaking, and I talked about going to the library is not a fun thing for a dyslexic child, and a grandma bringing out books to read for a dyslexic child. That's not fun. You know, let's uh-huh. let's read these books. No, you know, it's not fun. It's so not. to do that for your daughter. And how old is your daughter now? She's 25 now and she has her own business. Um, she has amazed us with her intelligence. Uh, she has surpassed every challenge that life has thrown at her. And we're so very proud of her. We, I also had a little boy uh, that came to our church uh, where we pastor and uh, the, mo- the mom was distraught. And they they were from a gypsy background. And, you know, gypsy children uh, uh, really don't go to school, but this child wanted to go to school. And uh, she quickly came to us and said, you know, he's going to be held back because he's not learning. He's unable to learn math, his timetables. And I quickly identified with this child. I began to make flashcards for him and I began to help him and tell him, you know, you're very smart. You're you're so smart. You're smarter than you think you are. And and I began to encourage him and, and help him. And I began to get people in church to help him. They would come on Wednesdays where we had prayer and I would put him in the dining hall and we would just help him and encourage him. Well, he passed, he passed and he went to the next level, to the next grade. And he overcome, he overcame that challenge. He overcame. And he had, he had gotten to the point where he told his mom, I don't want to go to school anymore. It was just too much for him. But and how old um, was he? He was nine years old. Okay, so typically that would be a fourth grader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kids have to be reading. We're going to have to wrap this up. And I love your story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, I Mary. I just want to remind the listeners, if kids aren't reading by fourth grade, so that means they need to be at the third grade level. Mm-hmm. And in third grade, if you look at a spelling list of what the kids are bringing home in third grade, in second grade, even first grade, you'd be surprised how many different spelling tricks are actually in there yes. that need to be explicitly taught to dyslexic yes. children and not taught all at once. They need to be taught, you know, one at a time with the review. Yes. And um, it's an amazing story. And so many, so many people do have a story like you, Bernice, that, you know, whatever, however God yes. found, found a way to help them get through it on their own. That's amazing. But Yes. scores are just terrible in the United States, especially in California, especially yes. in Los Angeles. And we have such a reading crisis wow. that we need to be providing intervention. Mm-hmm. I want to share a book that I published last year. It's called, um, it, well, it's Dyslexia, Prisms of Brilliance. And it talks about the, the adults, the juveniles that are in prison but there's brilliance in these kids, but because they weren't able to read, they uh, use that creative energy in a different way. And I want to put here, no illiteracy here. I really want to reach chaplains who can bring literacy to the prisons. We want to bring, so we're a nonprofit. We want to bring literacy to the families, the kids of Mm -hmm. the adults who are in prison. 40% of dyslexia is genetic. The other 60% environmental, developmental, whatever's going on in the in the home or lack of funds or opportunity lacking, 
there is that developmental and environmental component, but 40% is genetic. So I'm glad you recognize that in your daughter and you weren't afraid to say it. One of my um, topics is, uh, are, do you let your child know they're dyslexic? So people have to look for that video and find out what, what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to thank you. And uh, Bernice, thank you for your time with us. Thank you. And I'm going to have information about Bernice in the text below. If you want to be a part of our summer reading program, it's the summer adventure. It's a summer reading Minecraft adventure, and it's going on now until July 1st. We'd love to have you join us. I'll put the link below as well. And you can always reach me at meetmarianne.com. And our website is dyslexia-solutions. Don't forget, I have curriculum that is for sale and we use music to help kids read. Please like and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. And if you share, that would be a blessing. So bye for now. And thank you for tuning in. for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions.com and consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Sintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.